what I'm gonna tell you the next, these next details, it's gonna sound like I made them up. It sounds like the plot of like every police drama ever. He was a rookie. It was his first two months on the job. This was his first real major assignment. He was still with his training officer, and then the North Hollywood shootout occurs, oh. and he gets shot in the ass. <laughs> Welcome to We Talk About Dead People, a podcast where we talk about dead people. I'm your host, Aaron C., and I'm here with my good friend and co-host for today. Uh, Neil is the host of the We're in Conquest podcast. Say hi, James. I do history, and I make it funny. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, we, <laughs> Neil and I hope to keep our listeners entertained and interested when we break down various members of the odd and exciting family that is humanity. The way this works is that Neil and I will do our amateurish best to give a basic account of the major events in the life of a now dead person, or two in this case, and give a fairly accurate depiction of their individual characters, which is harder to do, but we're going to try anyway. So, Neil, I mean James, I mean George, I mean Neil, who do we have this week? We have Larry Phillips Jr. and Emil Matasaranu. <laughs> who were the perpetrators of the infamous North Hollywood shootout in 1997 in Los Angeles. Hell yeah. Uh, well, I guess, I guess I didn't need to describe that, considering it's in the name North Hollywood. Yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway, moving on. Okay, so uh, here's my thought. Uh, I know nothing about this story, so I think we should get down to the history lab as quickly as possible. Wait, you don't know anything about this? I thought you were doing the research for this episode. The best I did, I watched Heat. That's all I could do. Close enough. Let's do it. All right. So, Neil, if you had to invent a flavor of vape juice, what flavor would that be? Gunpowder. Hell yeah. <laughs> Appropriate for this episode. And now this, now's the part where you ask me the same question. I mean, you don't Vaping's have to. for pussies. Okay. Good, good and answer. addicts. So it's okay if you're an addict, but if you're just doing it as a high schooler, you're a fucking pussy. Yeah, yeah. Jeweling in the bathroom. And Do you watch the South Park episode on that? I got another in-school suspension. <laughs> I had to deal with that all the time at the school. Like when it was doing lunches, all the kids who were in lunch detention because they caught vaping. Oh, shit. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I understand. It's a, it's an epidemic of unstoppable proportions, and there's yeah. nothing we can do about it. Mm. Right. This isn't off the rails. we got to focus here. Oh, we right, right, right. talking okay. about vaping. All right, okay. Uh, focus! Computer. <laughs> computer, please bring up Emil Matarazzano and Larry Phillips. Affirmative, my lord. Okay, so, Neil, tell me. What did Emil Matarazzano and Larry Phillips look like? Larry Phillips Jr., because his dad was also Larry Phillips, you know, that's how the whole naming thing works. He looks like a washed-up Elvis impersonator. He's got the full mutton chops and the beard. Like he, if he could sing, he probably could have done Elvis at some, like, Vegas strip club if he wanted to. I bet he did. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't good enough. He didn't look close enough to be, like, on the actual strip itself. But, you know, like, the Hooters on a Thursday night, maybe. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up real quick. And I but I don't know how to spell his name. <laughs> well, just look up uh, Larry Phillips Jr. Well, you can't spell Phillips. No, I can't spell F Phillips. <laughs> All right, I found it. Oh wow, that is a crazy name. 
Uh, yeah, I it's got like four, I don't even know what those things are called. It's got like the little things that go over. It's like a U. It's not like the thing that the Hispanics use over like ends and stuff. It's like a U. Yeah. I don't even know what that's called. He's Romanian, so you know, fuck that language. I, I knew. I used to know <laughs> what that thing was. Oh my god, that is one ugly boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Emil Montesorano looks like he should not be within 500 yards of a school at any time. Yes. That's we keep sure. getting we keep getting sex offender looking people on this show. I don't know what it is. We don't try to do this whenever I come on the show, but what, it's always a sex offender joke whenever I'm on here. I mean, it's <laughs> insert James joke here. Okay. So. <laughs> so so Neil, you're gonna tell us the story of the North Hollywood shootout, and I'm looking forward to this because I only know a little bit, and I'm looking forward to knowing. A little more. <laughs> yeah, you literally did not even know this existed until I brought it up in our conversation last week. And we're like, oh, let's do an episode on it. Oh, yeah, that's true. I'm so, just an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> so I think to do this, we're, we're going to start with, I got to give you, we got through their physical description. Now, since it's a shootout, I should give you what they're armed with. Because, you know, in case you want to recreate this. Oh, okay. No, no I'm, not, I'm not condoning bank robbery. But maybe if you want, like, an edgy Halloween costume, you can be... The, you can dress up as the High Incident Bandits, as the police called them, which admittedly is a really weak name when it comes for people who rob banks with assault rifles. <laughs> high Incident Bandits. <laughs> yeah. They also got the nickname Shoot'em Up Bandits from another department, so, you know, that's a little bit better. And then just the pretty generic AK-47 Bandits. Wow. I think I'm gonna have to go with the AK-47 one just because that sounds at least somewhat edgy. I mean, but these just sound like Steam Workshop games to me. <laughs> yeah, this is like the computer-generated nicknames for these uh, people. Right. And they, the North Hollywood wasn't their first shootout. Well, it was their first shootout. It wasn't their first uh, bank robbery. Really? So these guys were they, they were actually pretty good bank robbers. They before they hit North Hollywood, they had netted like two million dollars from these banks. Whoa. So they were actually pretty decent at what they did. And the reason they were so effective is because they rolled up with just a shit ton of firepower. And we don't know what they used in the other robberies, but in this one, we know they used three AK variants with drum magazines. They're known as the Type 56. They were legally converted to uh, shoot automatic fire. And that, that sentence didn't work. <laughs> they were converted to shoot automatically because they were bought from regular gun stores as semi-automatics, because if this was post-1994 and Bill Clinton, the assault weapons ban, and you could no longer buy fully automatic rifles in America anymore. So they bought them as semi-automatic, and they got the modification kits and made them automatic. And they also used illegal 75 and 100-round drum magazines, as well as just your standard 30-rounders. <coughs> so let me ask you this. Well, I wasn't done with the guns yet. Oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> they got a lot more guns, don't worry. <laughs> they had one AR-15 Bushmaster, or was a, a, a XM-15, but it means it is an AR-15, but that's the, the general brand name of it. It was converted to automatic fire and also had a 100-round drum mag. They actually had the, the drum mag on that one where it's the two uh, drums on either side feeding ammunition in. They also had one H&K-91. This one was semi-automatic, and they had two 9mm handguns and one 38 revolver and around 3,000 rounds of ammunition in the trunk of their car. Oh, that's okay. I mean, that's not that much. <laughs> <laughs> that's only, like, all modern days, that's about mm, seven or $8,000 worth of 
ammunition. What is this, amateur hour? <laughs> yeah. And not only that, you see, anyone can get by and illegally convert AK-47s. The real bank robbers strap themselves full of body armor. Which is exactly what the High Incident Bandits... Dude, that name just sounds so weak. <laughs> the North Hollywood shooters did to themselves. Phillips would make his own... Basically, when he got done with it, it was basically like a more mobile version of those EOD bomb suits. Oh, shit. He bought standard a standard chest protector body armor, and then he got another piece and then cut it and made sleeves out of it so it covered almost all of his arms. And then he got two more vests and tailored them so they would cover his legs. So that he basically had like hockey pants looking pads on his legs and shins. And his whole body was covered in body armor. So he was basically like the modern version of like a full plate metal knight in the Middle Ages. Damn. And his partner, Emil, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that last name continually because I'm going to screw it up <laughs> and change it like four times throughout this entire recording. So I'm just going to call him Emil from here on forward. He was similarly armed armored he was similar this is a fucking tongue twister <laughs> similar god damn it he had the same shit on all right <laughs> but he didn't go quite as far as phillips he didn't do the leg protection and the arm protection but he did have a trauma plate which is capable of stopping rifle rounds protecting his chest and back and as we get later in this story Emil's gonna wish he had that leg protection too because his legs get shot to shit. Oh shit. Like, that's like uh, Ned Kelly. You remember that guy? No. Oh, dude. We have an episode on him. He was like a, a, like a bank robber as well, but at the end of his crime spree, he basically made himself an armored suit out of uh, plows. Like, he took the plow blades and just strapped them to himself and fashioned like a cuirass or a cuirass or whatever the hell you pronounce it. Yeah, I know what you're um, about. And he, he had a helmet and everything, and he went out and faced off the police officers, like, firing a pistol. And they were just like, shoot his legs. He hasn't got any armor on his legs. So they just shot his legs out from under him. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that soon. But before we start, I got a little, little ranting to do here. Because this shootout was it's infamous throughout the uh, law enforcement community. There was a lot of changes that were brought about after the shootout. which We're going to get to them as we go farther in the episode. But one of my f favorite things to see, because doing the research for this episode really makes me thankful that I do the majority of my research from books. Because researching on the internet is a shit show sometimes. Yeah. Especially when it comes to high controversial things like this. Everybody's got a different opinion and different facts about this. Everyone's numbers are different. And one of my favorites was they were using... They were losing large caliber rifles in the robberies. This is the first time in American history that this was tried. I was like, did you guys forget about Bonnie and Clyde? Yeah. Like, they were robbing the banks with Thompson submachine guns, which most people know. But Bonnie's favorite weapon was the BAR, a 20-round box magazine-fed, fully automatic 308 rifle. Like, that, they're shooting literally the same round that these guys are shooting in 1997, back in the 30s. So it seems like people have short memories whenever they're trying to write dramatic articles on the internet. They always forget about the John Dillingers, you know, the guys who just like literally raided banks with Tommy guns. Yeah, when, back Crazy. when you could buy fully automatic <laughs> weapons from like the fucking hardware store. Yeah, different times, so, man. Yeah, and that brings me to my whole sort of rant about this entire thing is we always, the, when this shooting was seen throughout the world the next day, 
it was actually broadcast on live TV. Like the second half of this shootout was broadcast live from a helicopter. These guys are shooting at the police. I'm like, yeah, we're just going to run it live. We're not going to censor this whatsoever. What's the worst that could happen? Oh, my God. Well, eventually they would see somebody blow their brains out on TV, but we'll get to that eventually. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, it, it gets rough. And uh, I just, the way that they, uh, the media portrayed this was very interesting. We're going to get into that a little bit later on as well. But this okay. was, this whole robbery was a watershed moment in policing. Because the, the 90s, if you study the 90s, it wasn't a great time to be a cop. There was a lot of controversies with the, being part of the government and the cops. You had like Timothy McVeigh and the Waco shooting mm. and all those other incidents. And this was just sort of the, the crown jewel that finally shook law enforcement to say, maybe we, need to, maybe we need to start doing things just a little bit differently because the way we, the way we did shit back in the 40s just isn't working anymore. And so... That's really the theme of today's episode. This was this robbery was the thing that finally woke up the Los Angeles Police Department and police departments around the world to finally modernize their police forces. And this is a bit controversial because a lot of libertarians and other people are like, oh, the cops are building up an army so they can control us. <laughs> they have armored cars and body armor now and... All this drones, which, I mean, I don't entirely disagree with, but, you know, sometimes people go a little bit too far. Sure. I mean, and all of that is the fault of this one shooting. There are literally no other historical instances except this one that made this happen. So just keep that in mind going forward. It's not like 9-11 didn't happen four years later, but, you know, it was just this shooting that changed everything for law enforcement. I mean, I gotcha. I, I was walking around when I was, like, 16. I had a job uh, doing maintenance at this church. And one morning I came in and there was like a cop literally standing on the outside of the church with full body armor and carrying an MP5. And behind him was an actual MRAP that he had driven up in. Um, and I can't remember what MRAP stands for. Mine resistance. Yeah. Something. Explosive proof car. Um, so, Aaron. <laughs> yes, Neil. I don't know. <laughs> I was trying to buy myself a little bit, a little bit of time to think there to like complete my thought, and I was like, "Shit, I'm running out of time." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, a little. I guess we should give this a little bit of backstory for the high incident ban. It makes me cringe every time I say it. <laughs> for <laughs> Phillips and Emil, they met in 1989 in a Gold's Gym in Venice Beach. They were trying to become bodybuilders, and they were getting each other pumped and shoving steroid needles in each, into each other's asses. They wanted to be the next Arnold Schwarzeneggers of the world. And awesome. their dreams kind of failed because, you know, there's a lot of people who want to be Arnold Schwarzenegger, but there's only one Arnie. Right. So, although, although their dreams weren't for nothing, because by the time they got out of Gold's Gym, they were both jacked. I believe it. I saw a thing that was uh, a meal was 289 pounds of muscle. Holy shit! Yeah, he was a wow. big guy. Like during this entire shootout, the civilians that saw them said they looked like monsters, and they were because not only were they big, but they also had all this body armor on, so they looked like snowmen almost. Yeah, and <laughs> soon they'll be going after a different kind of gold's gym, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> and this. Talking about how they looked gives me one of my favorite quotes from my research. I found an article 
from the newsletter that the LAPD puts out every year from 1997, and they have a whole like three-page spread on this shootout. And it has some of the greatest quotes ever. Whoever wrote for this should write the next major comedy coming out in Hollywood because some of the quotes <laughs> he gives these guys are just hilarious. Amazing. And I think one of, one of my favorite quotes from this shootout is... <laughs> I can't even look at it without laughing. <laughs> Straight face here. There's two guys dressed up like Ninja Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> That ain't even right. I can't even finish it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> There's two guys dressed up like Ninja Turtles pushing a hostage into the bank. <laughs> I'm just imagining the Ninja Turtles from the Michael Bay movie. It's like shoving a guy into the bank. Well, I think what happened, oh, like, they weren't wearing Ninja Turtle masks. They were just wearing your standard ski mask, and they were wearing all black. So I think that they were trying to say these guys dress like ninjas, but either it was mistranslated over the radio or mistranscribed, or perhaps the person was just panicking and said Ninja Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> Just to uh, just to throw out a few more quotes from the LAPD Times, <laughs> or yeah, the LAPD Times. You brought a cap gun to World War Three. Um, <laughs> I was in the wrong place with the wrong gun. <laughs> I know what an AK-47 can do. End quote. Like that, like that's what he said. It's a gun. Everyone knows what it can do. <laughs> wow. And then at the, the he finishes it off with one of those quotes you would see plastered all over the gym or in a locker room in your school. Willpower beats firepower. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure this entire incident shows that's not the case. Yeah. <laughs> but look at the bright side, though. According to the LAPD Times, in 1997, robbery was down 18%. So, you know, there's at least some bright side to 1997. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, man. In this, uh, so in... We're getting, I don't want to get too off track here quoting the LAPD Times, but during this shootout, 11 police officers would be injured, uh, seven civilians, and one golden retriever. <laughs> oh, shit. Is it poor, yeah. That poor, poor buddy got a chunk of shrapnel lodged in his face from a ricocheting round. He was not an air bud. Yeah. <laughs> he was a, he was a <laughs> bud. I don't know. <laughs> you better mark that. <laughs> Amazingly, Throughout all of this, nobody was actually killed except for the robbers themselves, despite the fact they fired 1,100 rounds of ammunition in a 45-minute period. Whew. They wounded a bunch of people, but they didn't kill anybody. So, you know, there's a silver lining for that. So I figure what I should do now is I should give you the general timeline of events on February the 28th, 1997. So at 9.17... Officers Farrell and Prevello spot two men with guns going into a Bank of America on 6600 Laurel Canyon Boulevard. And these are obviously Phillips and Emil. It'd be pretty weird if it was somebody else. And we just... <laughs> Separate incident. There's another guy on the other side of town walking in with assault rifles to a bank. Dressed like Ninja Turtles. <laughs> 
Well, there are four turtles, right? Yeah. So it all makes sense. What were, what were Leonardo and Raphael doing during all of this? Donatello, no! Put your katanas away! Oh, God. Hey, real quick, though. Okay, so like you said, these guys met at a gym. But their whole, like, how long was their planning phase? How long were they planning oh, to do yeah, this? Yeah, I did. Uh, I get distracted with the Ninja Turtles. I forgot to give you their backstory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Right to the chase. So, after they give up on bodybuilding, they decide to become bank robbers. Although, Larry, this wasn't his first foray into, criminal, into the criminal uh, sphere. He used to be a real estate scammer. He, ah. he used to steal the keys from lockboxes and pretend to be a realtor, and he would get people to give him the security deposit in cash, and then he would just run away with it. Wow, that is such a super lame scam. <laughs> it works, though. I mean, you're making thousands of dollars just stealing keys from lockboxes. And so in 19 <laughs> 1993, they get pulled over by the cops in a different town with body armor, assault rifle, shitload of ammo, and they're set free. Even what? they're they're arrested. They spend a few months in jail, and then when they go to trial, the judge is like, "Well, it is extremely suspicious that they have assault rifles, body armor, ammo, smoke bombs, gas masks, and hair dye in the back of their car, but you didn't really catch them robbing a bank, so I, I don't know what we can <laughs> do here. We gotta let them go." And, My hands are tied. My hands are tied. <laughs> and so he lets them go with time served. They both spent like under a hundred days in jail. And they petitioned the court two months later and actually got all their stuff back. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're gonna. This is gonna be a theme throughout this show. Is the legal system in America is amazing, as Aaron Eckhart says in um, "Thank You for Smoking." The reason that America is the greatest country in the world is our never-ending appeal system. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> they begin. After 1993, they begin to rob more armored cars first. They don't initially go to banks. And they execute a guard during one of them, and they make away with like $700,000. And then they, tr they try to rob another one, but they hit it too soon, and the armored car just drives away. So they're like, you know what? We need to go to the banks, because banks can't drive away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're like, what if we... Whoa, what if there's, like, an armored car that's, like, permanently sitting still? It would have Dude. so much more money, too. They couldn't drive away. <laughs> <laughs> so they did upgrade to banks, and they, they keep stealing like hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's how they—they they only robbed like three or four banks up until this point, and they netted almost two million dollars. And they thought the Bank of America on Laurel Canyon Boulevard would be the same. And at nine seventeen, the Ninja Turtles attacked. <laughs> <laughs> well, they had their pizza, and they were like, "All right, we're jacked. Yeah. Let's go." Like, like Popeyes, they had a. Uh, they had their pizza and they were ready to go. They were monsters. What kind of what kind of pizza do you think bank robbers eat? Is it like Little Caesars or Papa John's? I guess it's extra cheese so you don't shit yourself in like a high pressure situation because you don't want to leave yeah, any good, DNA good evidence. <laughs> it oh, happens shit. more than you think. Twenty five percent of people lose control of their either their bladder or their bowels in high pressure situations. Not these guys though. Nope. As far as we know. So in nine seventeen they stroll into the bank. And announce their presence by shooting a bunch of holes in the roof. And everyone starts freaking out. They get them all corralled into a corner. And they try to open the manager's office, but he locks it. He's like, I'm behind bulletproof glass. Well, apparently uh -oh. that bulletproof glass was only rated for handgun rounds and not 
automatic AK-47s. And so Uh-oh. Matasaranu just blows down the door with the AK-47, drags the manager out, and sends him into the vault to start picking up money for him. First rookie well, mistake right there. You don't get someone else to take your money when you rob a bank because the dank... The dank... The bank <laughs> likes to throw in die packs. Right. And this is precisely what they do. Eventually all the die packs would go off in the sack of money, but we're not there yet. So there was a big problem here because... Emil and Phillips were expecting a lot more money than there actually was. They were expecting another 700000 or so dollar haul because it was payday. Problem is for them is LA is the bank robbery capital of the world and these banks were starting to get wise. So like maybe we should switch up our habits every now and again. And so despite the Ninja Turtles having observed this bank for more than two months to rob it, they had switched up their tactics right before they hit the bank so they didn't have about half the money that they wanted. It was only about $303,000 in the vault. Well, shit. Which pisses Phillips off, and he begins to shoot the place up even more. Wow. I mean, I get it. You know, it's like... But I I also just don't understand, like, you have $2 million in cash you stole from armored cars. How much more do you need? Well, as we we get farther in the story, you can see that Phillips especially, but possibly Emil too, but Phillips was generally seen as the leader of the two of them. They just did it because they like it. It's, mm. I mean, you watched Heat. You, it's the yeah. same theme in that movie. They do it because it's what they're good at, and they enjoy the thrill of the chase. Mm. And Phillips especially, he's a bit of a sociopath. So Woo. he enjoys these high-tension situations because it's the only time he feels alive. I mean, I'm so glad, though, that I know no sociopaths. I feel very blessed to have never met a sociopath in my life. <laughs> Except the one you're talking to right now. Uh, yeah, that's the joke. <laughs> so, Please don't become a Ninja Turtle, Neil. <laughs> I've got the firepower for it. Oh, shit, don't you dare. <laughs> I'm not going down for this stupid podcast. <laughs> I would hit like a bigger podcast because they have more money. I'd hit like Joe Rogan or Dan right. Carlin, you know, people who have like big Patreon communities and donation bars and shit. Anyway. So, right. <laughs> this is our problem. We keep doing, we haven't done a real episode in so long. We keep doing off the rails. We keep thinking it's okay to just wander down all these rabbit trails instead of staying focused. No, it is okay. This is this is the way the show is going. It's just, <laughs> we're, we're not it. even out of the first timestamp yet. Oh, shit. <laughs> we're still you're in right. 917. Okay. We're oh, still inside the bank. This is a 44 minute shootout, and we're still in the first seven minutes. So. Okay, so we were we were at the point where he was pissed off that there wasn't more money, so he started blowing holes in the ceiling. Yeah. And then he okay. herds everybody into the vault and he closes the door on them. And okay. then as they're getting ready to leave, the die packs explode, so he gets pissed, so he wants to murder some people about that. This is Phillips, by the way. He oh. gets pissed, he wants to murder some people, but then he realizes he just locked everybody in the vault. He's like, well, shit, now I can't shoot anybody. <laughs> and it's at this point he... Storms outside, probably fuming because he didn't get his chance to murder anybody. And he sees a bunch of cop cars around the bank. And he's like, huh? Cowabunga it is! And just lays into the parking lot with full automatic fire. Wow. It's actually pretty appropriate that they were named the Ninja Turtles because we could use that meme. I didn't even think <laughs> on it. It like, came to me as I was speaking. I was like, fuck, this is a good idea. Cowabunga. <laughs> Cowabunga it is! <laughs> and so... Phillips and Emil burst out of opposite sides of the bank because this is a big bank parking lot. There's a north and a south exit. So they come out of both sides, see cops on both sides, and they just start laying down heavy suppressive fire. 
and the the cops just have no clue what they're going to do about this. All right. The perimeter they set is depending on where you are in the parking lot because the parking lot is rectangular. If you're on the Laurel Canyon side, you get about 40 yards from the street, and if you're on the other side, you have about 70 yards. Mm. And either one of which is in very easily in range of an AK-47. So they're fucked. <laughs> the cops. Yeah. <clears throat> Especially oh, because at this time in history of law enforcement in America, cops either carried a 38 revolver or a 9mm handgun. And that was it. Maybe yeah, you had a patrol car with a Ithaca shotgun in it with double-op buckshot. But that was the heaviest firepower your standard patrol officer had at his disposal. And so for those of you who aren't gun nuts, a 9mm or a 38 caliber revolver, it's like bringing a squirt gun. <laughs> uh, I don't know. No, it's like bringing a cap gun to World War III. Oh, you're right. <laughs> the quote earlier. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the biggest problem is, a lot of people who watch just, like, movies and they don't do any pistol shooting don't realize, is it's very hard to hit something with a pistol that's farther mm. than 15 yards away. Yeah. Because, like, for me, I'm a pretty proficient handgun shooter. I shoot about once a month at live targets. Well, I don't shoot at live targets. I don't shoot people. No, I shoot <laughs> at, light, like, human-sized targets, roughly. And at 15 to 20 yards, my accuracy drops down to, like, 50%. And mm-hmm. so you imagine doubling or tripling that. You, you, it's hard to hit the hard side of a barn unless you're like a competition pistol shooter. And even then, it's, it's hard to do. It's basically like a musket. <laughs> yeah, at that point, bus. because you have to, the way you have to line up the sights, even the slightest variation, you're off an inch. And the farther mm-hmm. you go, that inch just keeps getting bigger until it gets into feet and yards. So even if Emil and Phillips were not armored to the teeth, it would be very hard for the cops to hit them anyway. So it, they've got that going against them already. A couple guys have shotguns. Some of them have body armor. Some don't because at this point in law enforcement, it wasn't mandatory. Right. And they're just getting lit up. They're trying to hide behind their squad cars, and the rifle rounds are just going straight through them because at this point, cop cars weren't reinforced either. Just a standard car that they slapped police on the side of and put a siren on top of it. Right. And you wouldn't need it. Your average car is like less than an eighth inch of aluminum or steel, and it's pretty easy for a 308 round to go, or a 7, well, the same thing, 308, 762, essentially the same round, to go through. Which led a lot of news reporters to say they were using armor piercing bullets. No, they're not using armor piercing bullets. It just has enough firepower to puncture through thin sheet metal. I can right. shoot through some sheet metal with an air rifle. And it doesn't mean my air rifle is armor piercing. It just means that thin sheet metal is easy to puncture. Yeah, I can, I can, I got a BB gun that, like, I bought at Walmart that'll punch its way through some sheet metal if you pump it enough. So, yeah. So it's just, of course, it's the vitriol of the, and over exaggeration of the liberal media talking about guns. (laughs) (laughs) Going right for the neck there. (laughs) Right for the throat, like a fucking lion. <laughs> the liberal media. Okay, well, Alex Jones. I just, <laughs> well, I just hate listening to anyone in the media talk about guns because ninety nine percent of them have no clue what the hell they're talking about. It's funny. It's 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 really like uh, we should if you're ban like, automatic rifles. They're already banned, dipshit. Yeah, no, like it's like it's like if you're like really into a fandom, like you know and everything about Harry Potter, and somebody's up there like. Yeah, Voldemort was actually the bad guy. Dumbledore was a wizard. 
Yeah, it's like, what, what are you talking about? And then they'll say something like, Voldemort belongs to the group known as the... The uh, Gryffindors. The, yeah, the Gryffindors. Um, and the Slytherins are the good guy. It's like, it's just, when you listen to sh people who don't know what they're talking about talk about shit like this, it's just infuriating. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm not a gun nut, but I did have a phase where I was like really into guns and I was just like, I want to learn everything. I had like a little book on small arms and I was like, this is actually really basic shit, but then you hear people on, on the news talk about it and it's like, you sound like you're talking about fucking like tanks or some shit like yeah. you don't know you shouldn't be able to buy rocket launchers in most states you can't and i think you can in texas yeah. if you have a like a permit yeah it's really expensive though but anyway <laughs> we're, we're getting off topic again yes we are so the cops are under fire <laughs> yeah the cops are under fire and one of the first people to get shot is officer zabrovin and he gets hit in the ass oh god of course yeah. and when I'm going to tell you these next details, it's going to sound like I made them up. It sounds like the plot of like every police drama ever. He was a rookie. It was his first two months on the job. This was his first real major assignment. He was still with his training officer, and then the North Hollywood oh shootout occurs, oh. and he gets shot in the ass. Luckily... <laughs> <laughs> this story is so ridiculous. <laughs> Well, it, it's actually, it's pretty serious. It's the way we're approaching it makes it slightly ridiculous. That's true. <laughs> so, there's a dentist office right across the street, and the, the window's already broken because these guys are just spraying everywhere. They're not really aiming at anyone. They're just sort of laying down, like, heavy covering fire. There's a lock kiosk across the street. There's a couple other, like, little mini selling item stands that are getting all shot up. All the houses and buildings across the street are all filled with bullet holes. Mm. And... One of them's a dentist office, and so the cops drags a brovan into the dentist, like, can you help this guy? He's like, well, I, I guess I am kind of a doctor. I guess I can do something. <laughs> he just sort of leans in. He's yeah. like, all right, open wide. Yeah. <laughs> Wrong hole. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so, so Dr. Jorge Montez would help patch up Zabrovan. I guess he had enough medical knowledge to keep him alive. And... He would benefit the most from this incident, at least that I could find, because he would give his business the new nickname, Bulletproof Dentistry. <laughs> well, shit, that's just good marketing right there. <laughs> that's the way, although he did suffer from massive PTSD and panic attacks for the rest of his life. But as Aaron can tell you, you have to do anything to market your product. <laughs> there's nothing yep. there's nothing going too far if you have to get your business shot up by two ninja turtles then you gotta do it whatever gets people in the door suffer from PTSD it's the only way to make your podcast work <laughs> subscribe to my YouTube channel I have PTSD my suffering is your humor <laughs> oh that All laugh right, right there <laughs> alright anyway so this we're up in the, in the 920s now because okay. it's, it's the seven minutes after they come in the bank. They, initially, the plan was to be done in less than eight minutes. They had come up with this arbitrary number of this is how long it's going to take for the cops to get here because they watched heat and they saw the idea of sewing wristwatches into their uh, body armor. So they got their tactical wristwatches on the bottom of the wrist and they're looking oh, at, God. oh, we got eight minutes. And it happens they had zero minutes because there was literally a cop across the street sitting in the parking lot watching you. Oh, my God. <clears throat> <So>. LARPers. 
<laughs> so it, the, the most interesting, well, one of the most interesting things about this entire robbery is that sometimes it's the most well-planned out robbery in history. And other times it's like, what the hell are these guys doing? Yeah. <laughs> Their actions make no sense. And so as the minutes go by and the bullets keep flying, more and more officers are getting shot up. None of them fatally, like we said. Some guys are getting shot in the shoulder, the arms. Several people in this gunfight were treated for uh, glass in, embedded into their bodies. I'm guessing where their patrol car windows got shattered and they dove to the ground and the, wind, the glass got lodged into them. Ugh. And one cop gets treated for a car accident that's related to this shootout. Which I think is just juking the numbers a little bit to make this shootout seem worse than it is. Like, you couldn't have had ten people. Oh, it has to be eleven. One guy got in an accident. Wait, what? He got, like, in a car accident? Yeah, he got in a car accident. Either driving to or away from this scene. And, like, yep, he's part of the official casualty count. All I can envision is that scene in the office where Andy takes the golf cart and drives into the sand pit. And you just see the, the roof fly off. I'm, I'm envisioning the scene where Andy runs over Dwight with his car. Yeah. <laughs> you are clearly the better fighter. I cannot best you physically. <laughs> he keeps it under five miles an hour. The engine doesn't turn on. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. We are going to hell. Okay. <laughs> so during this shootout, like I said, not just the cops are getting shot up because there's a bunch of people in the street. They're getting shot. There's number. There's numerous people on the ground bleeding from wounds or hiding behind cover that's getting chipped away by the bullets. And the robbers... The plane's flying overhead. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> the robbers aren't discriminating just on targets on the ground because eventually the news helicopters and the police helicopters start flying overhead. And so Larry Phillips just raises his gun up in the air and just starts shooting at the helicopters too because... Like you do. You know, I would judge him for this one, but you know... Having played a lot of Black Ops 2 back in the day, or Black Ops 1, I mean. I never played Black Ops 2. Call of Duty Black Ops, the original. You had to get the 200 bullets into an enemy aircraft to get hardened pro, so maybe he was just trying to max out his perk tree. Yeah, exactly. That's so, totally what he was doing. Yep. He wanted to get the hardened pro because that'll penetrate even more than his armor-piercing bullets were already doing. Two cop cars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, by 9.30 the police decide they need a new plan. And so the lieutenant in charge of the shift for that local area decides to dispatch a few of his officers to uh, B&B gun shop to pick up guns so they could start puncture puncturing through this body armor. That's amazing that they had to go and actually, yeah. like, buy guns. That's the, Well, they never use them, but just the fact that the cops are, like, in the mid-shootout, like mid maybe we should go down the road to this gun store because we can buy better guns than what we have. Which is just another one of the reasons that I love America in this episode. <laughs> just... can, can you just imagine that scene, though? You've got all these cops who are, like, huffing, and they're like... Automatic gunfire down the road. We need your guns now! All right, dude, just take them! But they never got there in time, because eventually the two bank robbers take to the streets and begin to run away. They get tired of standing in place and shooting at the cops and decide they need to move away. Which, it's crazy, because if you... And the craziest thing is, you can watch a lot of this footage on TV. There's a, a clip on YouTube, it's like a 50 minute long thing of the helicopter flying over. And it doesn't get the initial stages of the shootout, it gets as they begin to move. But you can watch all of this stuff happening, well at that time it was live, but now it's on the computer archives. And I've got it up right now. 
they're just uh, you got to skip to like the six or seven minute mark is because that helicopter has to fly over to the bank. They're just sort of like flying to there. Okay. To ways in, and the craziest thing is, is these guys just aren't taking cover. They're just standing out in the middle of the parking lot, just laying into the cops with their guns. Wow. And it got to the point where the cops were afraid to shoot at them anymore. I was actually listening to a podcast. It was somebody interviewing one of the. It was somebody interviewing the one of the cops that was at this scene, and he was saying we got to the point where we realized if we peeked our head above cover and shot at them, the only thing we were doing was drawing attention to ourselves. Yeah. And so they eventually just tried to stop shooting at them until they, like, were very exposed. I mean, every now and again they would take cover behind, like, cinder block walls when they were reloading or something. But at that range, they were just absorbing all of these bullets into their body armor. Now, it doesn't... It, it's not no walk in the picnic to get shot with a 9mm. But it would be like trying to kill a catcher with baseballs. Like, yeah, you're going to hurt if you hit him in the chest protector, but his equipment was literally made to make that bounce off and not hurt him that much. So you're going to have some bruising and swelling, but all in all, you're going to be okay at the end of the day. It's really nothing much to be afraid of unless the cops get lucky and find a hole in your body armor. But, oh, wait, that's right. You designed your body armor so there wouldn't be any holes in it. So they're not going to find one. Wow. Oh, man. That's... That's pretty scary that they were able to just sort of jury-rig, you know, their their yeah. armor together so that they were invulnerable to police fire. And it, it terrified the cops because a lot of uh, people in combat situations have this recurring dream, like soldiers and cops, where your gun doesn't work or your magazine falls out or you're shooting someone and they won't stop. It's mm-hmm. it's Actually, it's really widespread. I've had these dreams before. There's always, there's always something wrong with my gun. I don't have any bullets or I don't have the right, like, a magazine for it, the magazine falls out, or something always bad happens to the gun before I wake up. And apparently mm. it's your subconscious telling you you're not prepared. You said wow. if you can go and train after an instance like that and the dreams go away. It's actually like a, like a really like well-documented psychological fact with post-combat people. It's weirdly specific. Yeah. Interesting. And, well, it's, it's all it all stems from impotence, the your fear of not being able to do your job when the time comes. And this is one of those worst facets of that nightmare is your gun is working and the bad person isn't stopping. You're, you're hitting them. You're not even missing. You're hitting them with every bullet and they're still just shooting back at you. Like nothing ever happened. And eventually SWAT comes They They get to the scene about a half an hour in. You might be wondering why the hell wasn't SWAT there like five minutes in. Well, I was actually. They were in the middle of a training exercise at the time, and they would Ugh. they would show up in their workout clothes, which is the best part because towards the end of the shootout, there's this one SWAT officer chasing after a meal in jorts. What? <laughs> and it's one of the most it's one of the most '90s things I've ever seen: a SWAT officer chasing down an anti-establishment anti-establishment person with an assault rifle and body armor in jorts. That's amazing. Over really over really grainy news footage. <laughs> That's our heroes in action, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the law wears <laughs> jorts. <laughs> it really, I wonder if that was the inspiration for the character Legion in Rainbow Six Siege, because he wears cargo pants in the combat, too. Really? Yep. Actually, I was thinking about that, because I was talking about Rainbow Six Siege in my own podcast the week before, and I was like, oh shit, it's Legion. <laughs> Anyway, so at around 9.40 after SWAT comes, and SWAT comes with 
bigger caliber rifles. They have submachine guns, which still shoot 9mm, but they shoot a lot faster and harder. And SWAT's much more accurate than your run-of-the-mill cop is. And they also have bullets that can penetrate body armor. So now, Phillips and Emil decide to hightail it out of there. Well, they didn't hightail it, they walked away, <laughs> but they, they low-tailed it, I guess. Low, oh, come on. <laughs> and this is... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, moving into as fast as turtles do, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even put that connection together. Yep. Look at that. Uh, and this is one of the more iconic scenes of this whole shootout, is you have Emil driving the car, and you have Phillips with the passenger door open, walking sort of like an infantryman walking next to a tank, and the trunk is popped open. Because the trunk is where they stored their extra guns and ammunition. Because a lot of people who don't shoot don't know this, that... If you're sending a lot of rounds down range, your barrel gets really, really hot. Like my my AR-15 has a special barrel on it, and it's got the guard where you can put attachments on, so your hand isn't directly touching the barrel. And I have a pistol grip too. And after sending about 200 rounds down range in a, roughly about a half an hour, it's burning my hand through all of that stuff. So I imagine after firing full auto out of drum magazines in the span of 20 minutes. His barrel was getting pretty hot. There was a, there was a count, weren't there accounts in like World War II where German soldiers would use the MG42's heated barrel to essentially dry their clothes? I believe, I mean, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, a couple minutes of sending 1,200 rounds a minute down range, it gets, gets pretty warm. Yeah. I mean, it got so warm they had to design the gun so that the barrel would just easily slide right out and they could just pop another one in like you would a Pez in a Pez dispenser. <laughs> that was actually my favorite part about Red Orchestra, the game, uh, was you could actually swap out barrels and kind of had to if you were using the MG42. It was like a yeah, whole separate you, you thing. you swap out. Are you there? I lost you. Aaron! I lost you. Come back to me! Don't you die on Can me, you, hear you me? son of a bitch! No! Aaron has left the call. Well, shit. I hope his power didn't die again. This happened again last week. Yeah, this is stupid. Okay, I got you now. Oh, are you back? Yeah, I'm back. I was just talking shit about you. <laughs> and your internet connection. It actually wasn't my internet connection this time. I don't know what it was, but my internet stayed stable. It said you, you left the call. Oh, okay, maybe I did lose internet. I don't even know. <laughs> I was carrying the show without you. For fuck's sake. <laughs> All right. Oh, you should definitely leave some of that stuff in there. It's pretty funny. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> where, where did you lose me? Was it like halfway through something I was saying? or? Uh, you started saying something like a minute ago. Okay. Since you should just restart that. I was just saying that like my favorite thing about Red Orchestra. Oh, yeah. The barrel the, swap. Yeah. The barrel swapped out. Yeah. That okay. was so cool. And so... This is the reason you want to swap about a barrel out of a machine gun like that is because the hotter it gets, the more malleable steel gets, and it's you can change it. If you shoot enough rounds, you can actually blow up your barrel. You can get rounds stuck in there; they won't eject properly. Your gas system gets clogged up, or the worst possible scenario is you get a bullet lodged in the chamber, and then the next bullet coming through explodes the chamber, and you lose half your face. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it's important to have backup guns if you're going to be shooting this hot. Yeah, and I'm just I'm just wondering like they were obviously like anticipating heavy police resistance, but like what I want I just wonder what the end game was like we're just gonna shoot as many people as we can and then we'll just drive away. Or, I guess I mean oh my god, 
it's like GTA or Saints Row. You know, you get five stars. What do you do? You may as well just keep going until they kill you because you're not going to get away from this. Like, you've oh, got yeah. the FBI tanks and the helicopters circling overhead. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they begin to move down the road, and eventually Phillips and Emil get separated. We don't know hmm. why they did this, because they're both dead. But one possible thing is that they were both wounded, and they weren't quite thinking properly. Hmm. And the officers were following them, and they kept cutting them off farther and farther down the road. And even if you're not getting fatally shot or wounded with these guns like i said it's still like getting hit with a baseball in the chest so mm-hmm. you got a lot of damage eventually phillips gets hit 11 times and emil gets hit 27 times so Jesus. these guys were getting shot quite a bit with these guns so they're they're hurting well it's important to note that even if the bullet doesn't penetrate the armor and it you know it does still hurt but you have to think about the internals like if you're getting yeah. shot 27 times your your organs are getting thrown around like goddamn me throwing chips yeah. into my cart at Aldi. I don't know. How <laughs> hard do you throw your chips into your cart at Aldi? <laughs> it's pretty hard, man. They're, they're like chips of chips when I get home. So Phillips eventually splits off, and he goes down a side road, and he eventually find a good hiding spot behind a red tractor trailer, which was parked there. And the cops would surround him. And then... The unthink he starts spraying back and forth, and then the unthinkable happens. He gets a stovepipe jam in his AK-47. Those of you who don't know your gun term, stovepipe jam is when the receiver kicks back to eject the shell, and it comes back too soon for the shell to clear the gun, and it traps the round in the receiver of the weapon. Mm, it's, I've had that happen to me before. Yeah, it's pretty easy to fix. You just retract the bolt a little bit and let the round fall out, and then just drop it back in again. Only problem is, when this happens... Phillips gets shot and he drops his gun and he decides to bring in Call of Duty logic once again that switching to your pistol is faster than reloading and he draws his 9mm and he starts shooting at the cops that way and it actually, he sort of matrix matrix is it he pulls the matrix stun on it He, you can see him like leaning to the side and then he's shooting at a cop and they, they hit him a couple times and one of these times he gets hit in the hand and The officer who was there, who did the interview, was there when Phillips died. And he said you could actually see the daylight through his hand. Oh, shit. And so he realizes that he's not going to be able to get back to his AK and fix his gun now because his hand's all fucked up. Which I can actually sort of feel his pain because I was playing paintball one time in the winter. (laughs) And I got shot in the hand. And, like, my hand literally wouldn't work for five minutes. Oh, like, yeah. My hand was, like, it was my trigger finger, and I just, I couldn't move my hand. So I can sort of, I mean, it's not as bad as getting shot, obviously, but your your hand's worthless at that point. Yeah. And so, with only a few bullets left in his gun, he decides to put the gun up to his, he decides to put the gun up to his chin and blow his brains out on TV. God damn. At the same time, he gets shot by a couple different cops. And you can, you can act, if you watch the footage, you can actually see this. You can see the two rounds hit his chest, and you can see the about a three-foot puff of smoke come from underneath his chin out the back of his head. Yikes. So you can actually watch this man blow his brains out on TV. I'll pass, thanks. It's pretty cool. You know you're going to watch it. <laughs> oh that. my god! It's pretty cool. It's a Ninja Turtle shooting himself. I mean, you don't get to see that every day. I mean, you mean to tell me you never went surfing on bestgore.com before? No, no, I actually haven't. I can't stand that shit. 
I think my favorite video from that is there's a insurgent in Iraq. He's got an RPG and he's taking aim at a Humvee and then an airstrike just comes and just levels like the entire block he was standing on. I've actually seen that one. <laughs> Shit. Uh. See, you're a little bit more sadistic than you lead on. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Oh my God. <laughs> this show has been co-opted by Satanists. This is like a stovepipe jam on the podcast or something. <laughs> oh, it's getting wild. This is wild. Yeah. This is wilder than our off the rails episodes. It actually is, but that's okay because this is we talk about dead people, yeah. and everybody knows that everybody who comes under we talk about we talk about dead people is certifiably insane and a crackhead and a crackhead. <laughs> All right, so speaking Missy of James, <laughs> so. <laughs> Despite Phillips decorating the pavement of North Hollywood with his brains and skull, his partner is still alive and, well, he's not well, but he's still alive. And he's right. swerving. He's pulling off some terrible driving. Now, some people make fun of him for this, but I was like, well, he's been shot multiple times and the cops may have also shot out one of his tires. But he's swerving right. all over the place and it's nuts. And he tries to commandeer several other getaway vehicles. But... Mm. Like anyone who's ever played Saints Row or GTA before knows, sometimes you hold your gun out and you try to shoot the person in the driver's seat and you miss and they just run you over or drive away. Oh, God. And this kind of thing keeps happening to him. And finally, he gets a car, or actually a truck, to stop in front of him, and he actually shoots through his own windshield to get the guy to run away. And he does, but before he does, he hits the fuel shutoff switch in his truck. Oh, come on. <laughs> this is one of those, like, old 90s vehicles that actually had that in there. I don't mm. think many vehicles have them nowadays, but the, we don't know if it was intentional or this was just, like, a force of habit thing. He always did this whenever he left his truck, so he just hits the switch and then runs away. Mm. And so Emil hops into the truck and tries to drive away. It won't start. And as he's hopping back to his car, a uh, squad car pulls right up next to the truck. And when I mean like right next to it, I mean like it looks like they're in a parking lot. Hmm. And it's okay. filled with SWAT officers. They, apparently they actually didn't know that Emil was still there. They figured that he had stolen another vehicle and there was going to be wounded or dead people there. So they were trying to get as close as possible. And they're like, oh shit, the, the guy's still here. They just look over and there's a ninja turtle sitting in yeah. the driver's seat. <laughs> and like if you look at this, this all takes place in the middle of a street. And there's the cop car, the truck, and Emil's car, all right next to each other, like they were parked in a parking lot. So, this gunfight is going to take place at ridiculously close ranges. Yeah. And the SWAT guys get out, they get behind their car, Emil gets behind his, and he just starts spraying. He shoots through his trunk, he shoots through his windshield, the side panels of the thing, he shoots through the other truck. And somehow during all of this gunfire, he doesn't hit that squad car once. This is like some Pulp Fiction Miracle of the Bullets shit right here. Yeah. And it's incredible that the squad car never gets touched by bullets. And while this is happening, the other cops sort of form a semicircle around this incident and start shooting at a meal. Because you can, you can see him in the footage. He's like swinging all over the place. He's just shooting in every direction now. He's basically just doing like 360 shooting. It was, at this point, the all the SWAT guys are on the ground because he's just spraying wildly with his AK. And they get the bright idea, let's just shoot his legs. We're underneath the car. Let's shoot his legs. And so they all just lay into his legs with their AR-15s and MP5s. And eventually Emil goes down and the SWAT officers charge him. And just as they get there to 
finish him off, he drops his weapon and surrenders. Uh -oh. He surrendered? Yep, he surrenders. Whoa. And then the police execute him on the street. What? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 uh, okay. <laughs> he, they, they do beat the shit out of him, though. Oh, okay. Although, it's hard to tell, because the only footage we have of this is from a news helicopter that was circling, like, five blocks back, and then zoomed in its lens. And now, I don't know if they were just trying to remove weapons and ammunition from him, or they were Rodney Kinging him on the side of the road. Well, I mean, to be fair... <laughs> Knowing what I know about cops, they were probably doing both. Because you don't, you don't shoot at cops and then expect to come into jail untouched. Like you're gonna get the shit kicked out of you on the way there. You 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 literally have been wearing body armor and just shooting freely at cops with a machine gun. Uh, expect to get the shit kicked yeah. out of you at least a little bit. I remember we had one guy up here in Pennsylvania. He ambushed a state trooper car and then shot up their barracks. And then he took them on like a month long wilderness chase, like first blood, through the Pennsylvania mountains. And finally they caught him. And they brought him back, and they got a picture of him when he was in the interrogation room. And his face was all bloody. He was bruised up. And he's like, he fell when we arrested him. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. You Pennsylvania guys, you guys are on another level. It's really true what they say about people from the other side of the river. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pennsylvania people are... That's a, that's a, I could do a whole show on Pennsylvania people. I mean, I've, now I've got two Pennsylvanians working on the show now, and... <laughs> They're a little odd. Yeah, a lot of fun, though. You get, like, the urban people from Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, and then you get, like, the hills have eyes in the middle. Yep. And Amish people, too. Yeah, there's the, the Amish are out there doing some, They're raising some barns or some shit. Yeah. They don't so, run podcasts, though, so... I would love to get an Amish person on a podcast. This girl I was talking to, she was up in Lancaster, and I actually saw a guy with a horse pulling a modern sprayer behind him <laughs> okay. like the one you would attach to a tractor to spray your crops the horse was pulling it it's like first of all man how is that even working because those things are powered by the the pto shaft and how are you moving that if you got a horse because it's the tractor's engine that turns the pto shaft second of all it's probably not a good thing to be spraying to be spraying pesticides like a few feet away from your horse i mean yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyway totally off topic i just had to tell somebody about that Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. whether or not the cops Rodney kinged Emil Matatarasu, he eventually does bleed out on the pavement because because of all the shooting, no ambulances or fire people want to get anywhere near this event. Right. Because there was also rumors of a third or possibly fourth shooter. As always. The cops would actually search the neighborhood for extra people. And the paramedics couldn't get to him for like a half an hour and he bleeds out on the pavement there wow and it all ends with this beautifully american legal system way his parents sue the city for letting their son die uh after he got in a 44 minute shootout with illegal automatic weapons on the streets of north hollywood uh-huh they sued the city for letting him bleed out after he shot at the paramedics who were trying to help the cops did they win well, they settled out of court because it was a hung jury. Wow. It pissed off a lot of cops. That's unreal. Uh, that That's absolutely unreal. But it doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, it doesn't. This it, is America. This is America. <laughs> God damn it. We'll sue you for everything. Yep. 
It's like that line that Weird Al says, if I break an ankle when I'm robbing your place, I'm gonna sue, 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 that's what I'm gonna do. Is that from, is that from a song, or? That's from I'll Sue Ya. Oh, okay. It's like a Rage Against the Machine parody. I just watched um, uh, UHF, is that what it is called? VHF? I don't know. Uh, don't his movie. His movie. I don't know. Okay. Well, I'm more concerned about finishing this story. Right. <laughs> <laughs> to business. <laughs> To battle. Um, so yeah, they settled out of court because of a hung jury, and a lot of cops in this situation felt betrayed by the city because of this, and, and rightfully so. You put your life on the line, and you settle out of court with the victim's family mm -hmm. for legal expenses. <clears throat> so all in all, this robbery, like we said, wounded 11 cops, and I figure, in like a sort of 9-11 memorial sort of way, I'm going to just list all the people who got injured. Okay. And... Nope, that is not it. There we go. So we got Bill Lance got hit in the knee. The Broven got hit in the ass. Got sent to the dentist. Um, <laughs> Daniel. <laughs> hit in the ass and sent to the dentist. Oh, man. Dave Carlack got hit in the ankle. Uh, Haynes got shot twice in the shoulder and leg. Mm. Uh, Stewart Guy got hit in the leg and arm. Whitfield. Got a shattered femur. He got shot in the shoulder, plus glass wounds. Shit. Um, Grimms was the one who got in the car accident. And Vatilis got grazed in the hand. And then there's Angulus. He got shot in the stomach and the ass. Wow. So a lot, a lot of ass and leg shooting going on in this shootout. <laughs> yeah, they couldn't... It seems like they couldn't hit center mass to save their lives, but... Well, they're spraying. I mean... And also, the, they're targets are behind cover so that's true and they're wearing they're just, body armor so they're clumsy yeah yeah lighten it up so the takeaways from all of this the lapd almost immediately after this shootout ordered rifles and lots of them no shit <laughs> yeah the um they bought 600 m16s from the pentagon surplus whoa and m16s well ar-15s usually they don't usually give them the select fire versions would become standard for most patrolmen. Like, if you look in a cop car nowadays, you're not going to see a pump-action five-round shotgun. You're going to see an AR-15, more than likely. Yeah. And it was largely because of this incident. I mean, there's other things like 9-11 and a bunch of school shootings and stuff like that. So it wasn't just this one incident. But this is definitely seen as one of the watershed moments in police work where your average police officer realized he needed to be much better trained, much better armored, and much better equipped to deal with the modern crime environment because the way they've been doing it wasn't working. Because some people might say, they had plenty of other times to change. There was other shootings and all. Yeah, generally speaking, though, those shootings happened against federal agencies. Like, Waco was against the ATF. Mm -hmm. And so, or the FBI was getting called in. It wasn't your average patrolman. Right. Like, the worst thing to happen in L.A., shooting-wise, since before that, or since before that, doesn't make any sense. <laughs> the worst thing to happen in L.A. before that to your average patrolman was a Liberation Army shooting in the 60s. And no officers were injured in that. And so you have this one where 11 are injured. Luckily, no one was killed. But the biggest problem for them was the fact that they could do nothing. The cops don't like to feel uh, powerless. Most of them join because they want to feel empowered because they got picked on in high school or they like picking on people in high school. <laughs> so they became cops. 
<laughs> or they're Wyatt Earp and they can only do two things: run brothels and pretend to be law police officers. Yeah. Well, that's another because there's another group of people who become police officers, and this has always been a theory of mine. There's certain people that inherit what I call the warrior gene, where there's just hmm. some people who are good at being soldiers or cops. They have that instinctual lack of fear in intense situations. They that can able to stay calm and they're morally flexible enough to be able to do what they're told in these high-tension situations. Only problem is, is we can't just say in our society, we're going to make all our soldiers and cops have these genes and no one else gets them. It's sort of a random lottery thing. And so you have someone like Larry Phillips, whose dad was an anti-establishment person who tried to rebel against the government and spent 11 years on the run. Whoa. Raising his son. Oh, yeah, his father got... Um, arrested for robbery earlier in his life, and then he escaped from prison, and Shit. was no he he didn't show up for bail. That's what he got bailed out, and he never showed up, and then he just ran around the country with a warrant after him for eleven years. So that's the kind of upbringing this guy had, and Larry Phillips definitely had the warrior gene because he wanted to be there. The Hollywood shootout was probably the highlight of his life. This is probably the most excited and happy he'd ever been. God damn. Because everyone who looked at him said he all had, like, the same look on his face. I mean, they were wearing ski masks, but you can still see in people's eyes that Larry Phillips wanted to kill them. Jesus. And all of them had that profound impact. They all said the same thing. This guy was a sociopath, and he was just there to shoot. Because if they really wanted to get away, he would have gotten in the car and they would have driven away. But he just wanted to walk and keep shooting because, you know, he was having the time of his life. And he owes it all to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, I remember when I was a kid, like the first time I ever saw a shotgun in person, we had a we had a cop visit my thing, my preschool class, and he was like, yeah. You start him young down in Texas. <laughs> well, hey, I was living in Wisconsin at this time. So anyway, so we, uh, we he, he like came in and was like, police officers are your friends. Who wants to see a, a squad car? And I was like, I do. So we all went outside, and he opened up the door, and we were looking at his radio, and I just saw one big black shotgun, and I was like, whoa. And then I remember, you know, it was a small town, so I remember the AR-15s phasing in and being like, you know, looking through cop windows, like, oh, I want to see what they're carrying, you know, because I was just a kid, I just like guns, and I was a little young boy, that's what, that's what I was into. Um, and I remember just starting to see more and more AR-15s and feeling like, holy shit. <laughs> Yeah, well, a lot of people have noticed that. They're become, not just the libertarians are upset about the militarization of the police force. Mm. The problem is, though, is the criminals they're fighting have been militarized. Like, if you're in certain parts of the country, you're fighting against the Mexican drug cartels, who are literally at war with the Mexican government. Like, the entire Mexican government is the enemy of the cartels, and the cartels are winning that war. Right. So, if you're dealing with people like that, or other drug syndicates that are bringing in millions of dollars that can arm themselves with with whatever, then the cops need to be able to escalate their firepower to match their enemies, or else you're going to have another Hollywood shootout. Right. And where innocent people are running for their lives, and the cops are powerless to protect them. I mean, I'm not complaining about it. I'm just saying, like, I, I lived through that that period where that transition was going, and it hit us slower because yeah. we were, you know, in the country, and that kind of shit didn't happen. But when I moved closer to Chicago, uh, you know, it was like cops were in the schools wearing body armor. Um, 
you know. Yeah, well, I was I was three when I was nine when this happened. Mm-hmm. So, you I guess you were the same age, weren't you? You were born ninety mm-hmm. four, right? Yeah. Yeah, we were both the same age. So yeah, Brown Preschool would have been two years after the Hollywood shootout. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. Yeah. Whew, yeah. But I'll, I'll never forget though when I got to Chicago, just noticing like. You know, there were, uh, it sucks, but, like, most churches have to hire a cop to, like, patrol Sunday mornings because they're worried that there might be, like, a attack or something. And, you know. Well, you just bring your gun to church. I guess so. <laughs> Jesus wants you to be protected. Yeah, he wants you to have your Chick-fil-A. In the, wor- <laughs> in the words of Joshua Graham, we can't wait for God to do everything now, can we? <laughs> yeah. As <laughs> he's loading his 1911. Over and over and over again. <laughs> he's one of the best characters in a video game ever. Like he's oh, one yeah, of my no top doubt. five. No doubt. All right, so we got to focus. We got to we got to wrap this episode up here. Okay. When we start talking about New Vegas. We'll be here for another half an hour. That's true. So, was there any other questions you had about North Hollywood that you wanted to answer before we get out of here? Um. So obviously, the repercussions were that the police. Uh, realized that they needed to basically arm up in order to protect themselves and others from this kind of insanity. Um, but I'm kind of wondering what other, like, I don't know if you know anything about, like, what banks started doing in response to this. And I know we mentioned Heat also, but that this was this was inspired by a scene in Heat where this exact yeah. thing was done. Um, yeah, I don't really have a direct question on that, but I'm just wondering, like, how, like what other responses there were to this? Well, like we said, the uh, what should we call it? The um, the banks were already starting to switch up their tactics because mm. if they hadn't, they would have lost a lot more money when the Ninja Turtles came kicking in the door. Right. They had begun to switch up routes, and the armored car was coming in at different times. Pickups and drop offs were at different times, so it had all of that to help throw off the bank robbers, but. At a certain point, really, it's like the same thing. Like uh, Locks only keep honest people out. Like If you're committed enough to robbing this bank, you're going to get away with it. Or well, you're at least going to pull it off. You may not get away with it, but you'll be able to take the money and get away. So, I mean, you can only do so much to prepare. Sort of having, sort of having like x-ray machines outside your banks with like 20 people with weapons all pointed at the door if someone doesn't go through the x-ray. Like, you're not going to be able to stop bank robbery. It's probably going to be something that's going to be with us throughout history. We may get better at detecting people who do it, but we're likely never, ever going to stop it completely. Because human nature is to always ruin things. So we're just going to keep doing it. And, you know, it goes back to my initial question there at the beginning, which was that uh, why would you rob a bank if you already have $2 million in stolen cash? And I think you already answered it with... with, um, Phillips was basically just the kind of person who liked to exert uh, terrible power over people and enjoyed doing so. It wasn't about the money. I think for the other guy, it might have been about the money, but... They had a very mini cult. It was just the cult of two people. Because from what the people who have described, the pair before they got into this, said that Larry was always the leader. He was the popular kid in school. You know, he looked like Elvis. You know, some people like you. Right. And... (laughs) Matasarano, you—he's ugly as shit. Well, we won't sugarcoat this. He's pretty <laughs> ugly, so he more than likely didn't have many friends. So he became one of those reclusive neckbeards who owned a bunch of guns. Right. And then Phillips comes in, tells him he's going to be a bodybuilder, builds him up literally and figuratively, and pumps them all up full of ideas, and says, "Y'all, we're going to be great together." 
let's go rob banks. And he's like, yeah, sure, let's do it, Larry, whatever you say. Man. And so the guns and the technical expertise come from Emil. Phillips is the brains of it, and they rob banks successfully because they're bringing in things that no one has seen in decades. Nobody robbed banks before with assault rifles. Either pass the note to the teller or like point your finger in your sweatshirt and pretend you have a gun. Yeah. These guys come in full battle gear and like I said, have bomb suits and fully automatic weapons. And what was also critical is the fact that they didn't hole up in the bank. This threw off a lot of like the SWAT people. I was listening to this other podcast about it. It was like a tactical analysis of the shooting. And he says it went completely against everything that bank robbers do. Bank robbers either surrender when the cops go, or they take hostages and wait for their helicopter to the, to the Bahamas. Like, they don't shoot it out in the street at 9 in the morning with fully automatic drum-fed assault rifles. It's just not done. And so the cops, in addition to not having anything to break through their armor, they had never trained for this before. Like, cops now have, well, I mean, a lot of departments are really lacking in funding for training, but they still train them much better than cops in the 90s were. Even, like, the worst department now would likely outdo your average department back in the 90s just because they bring in these tactical, like, John Wick-style trainers to teach them about hiding under the car, punch a hole in your cover, and just put your gun barrel through and, like, do all these, like, weird, oblique, different tactics and shootouts and... Keep your gun close to your body so you don't have as much shaking. You can get around corners without having your gun stolen. Things that cops generations before never had to deal with are now being taught as your general course in police academies. God. Well, I guess the uh, the psychopath with the automatic rifle isn't a new thing. Yeah. But they it seems to be more prevalent in modern society, and that's a whole different other topic yeah. we can talk about right there which i'm not at all qualified to discuss you know i have an opinion on it but it <laughs> just doesn't mean it's right we'll leave that one alone because <laughs> yeah. you know i got tons of ideas about it but uh you know i i don't uh, not qualified it's a really good way of putting it um but yeah interesting not about it's the all it's, it's all video games this fall everything <laughs> video games were invented that's why all this violence is happening now yeah it's because i play minecraft and i yeah. kill all the villagers <laughs> You you really you slip into these manic states where you just imagine yourself killing creepers and zombies with a sword. In reality, <laughs> you're stabbing your friends and family with a kitchen knife. Oh Jesus! <laughs> All right, and that may that, happen I to you. I think we're gonna wrap it up. <laughs> that may happen to you, but it does not happen. To you. <laughs> Please tell me it's not just me. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> the closest I get is when I'm when I get my paycheck. I just feel like I mine diamonds just then or emeralds or whatever the hell that's it <laughs> uh, on that note i think we're gonna wrap up today's show. I, I think we need to head up to the surface because uh uh oh shit <laughs> to rob a bank oh please don't but if you do can i get a cut of that sweet cheese you have to help me you can't just sit it out and take a cut i don't know i haven't been i haven't been indoctrinated or occultized enough to, to pull that off with you maybe in a year
Hold on, hold on, we gotta redo that. Oh shit, what? Hold on, I got an idea. Oh shit. Hold on. Where? Oh, where? So, uh, what'd you, what'd you get there? <laughs> you should just ask me what I'm gonna do the rest of this. <laughs> gonna do for the rest of the day neil <laughs> you gotta ask it in the regular all right all right so neil what are you gonna do for the rest of the day we're gonna rob a bank <laughs> i would like to formally disavow <laughs> conquest. oh man i'll tell you what i'm gonna do <laughs> I'm just going to think about how many guns I don't have, <laughs> which is all of them, because I don't even own a gun. <laughs> Arm yourselves. You never know when the next psycho comes through the door with body armor. But Neil, what can you do against a psycho in body armor? Wouldn't it be better to just not... Never mind. Not getting into that. You can tackle them and shoot them in the neck like John Wick in John Wick 3. Or just stab them with a pen. <laughs> Uh, I think it's time to bring the show to an end to, for today. If you hate us, you're probably right, so consider funding the show by becoming a patron on Patreon.com. Or if Patreon is not your thing, drop us a little tip in Venmo uh, at WTADP. And if I don't get any tips for this episode, I'm not going to be surprised. <laughs> um, I would like to thank Neil. If you don't tip Aaron. Oh my I'm god. <laughs> you're playing with your toy gun over there. Oh it's man. Not a toy. <laughs> Uh, I'd like to thank Neil for showing up and being the uh, resident sociopath for this week from Pennsylvania. Uh, from New Jersey. Uh, New Jersey, whatever. <laughs> That's why I can talk disdainfully about people from PA. Oh, right. Forgot you all hate each other. Uh, Neil is the host of the We're in Conquest podcast. Uh, Neil, would you like to plug your current series? Yeah, we're doing The Gallic Wars by Julius Caesar. Well, we're not, that's actually a book, but... It's based on the... We're, do, we're, we're doing the Gallic Wars. <laughs> fought by Julius Caesar. He was in, there. <laughs> in the last century BC, we got series on the Crusades and Alexander the Great. And well, I deleted the first episodes because they were dumpster fires. Wow. But you can find them wherever you get your podcast or go to warandconquest.com and find links to everything you need there. All right. Check it out, guys. Um, just so you know, George will be back next week. Uh, like I said in my little announcement, he had a death in the family, so he wasn't able to uh, work this week. So Neil filled in, so thanks to Neil. Our cover art was created by Ian Patterson of Ian Patterson Illustration. You can view more of his wonderfully whimsical work at www.ipattersonillustration.com. With all that being said, we'll close out and let the sounds of, the, of a bank robbery play you out. <laughs>